<laughs> All right. Good morning. Well, Cox Media, which has long been the epitome of a great place to work, all those professional broadcasters in downtown Atlanta, yeah, they're losing people, and uh, Keith asks the question, uh, what's going on? Social media, well, we've talked about this before. We're going to continue to talk about it. We'll take a further look at it, and and whether it's a value to your station or a waste of time or what's the in-between path that might make some sense. And is selling $3 spots to the local laundromat really a good idea? Good morning. We are back with another edition of Media Insultant. I'm Jackson Weaver in the Pacific Northwest in Seattle, and my co-host is Keith Samuels. Uh, Keith is in Southern California. Keith, go ahead. You can say it. Say good morning. Good morning, Jackson. And uh, we've been suffering a little bit of July gloom. June gloom is extended into July here in SoCal. At, at least you're not on fire. You're not over 100 degrees, and you no. still haven't run out of water. So, you know, you're in, you're no, in we, decent shape. No, we're, we're, we're out of water and we're out of power. But, hey, other than that, it's an awesome place. Well, Keith and I get together every Tuesday and Friday. We talk about our opinions and what's going on in the media, primarily focused on media salespeople and their managers, as such they are. We talk about everything that's going on in the media business, but primarily radio and TV and how it's affected by, by other media. So this is Tuesday, July the 26th, and this is the Tuesday edition of Media Insultant. Well, good morning, Mr. Samuels. And here we are again. We do uh, this every Tuesday and Friday, as we talked about. Our opinions, ideas, comments. And you know what's interesting is you always have a lot of interest in what's going on personnel-wise. And Cox Media is a group you've done a lot of work for. I used to work for mm -hmm. Cox. And it's a great group. It has historically been a great group. Great stations, great people, patient management, and patient capital. So mm -hmm. the question is, uh, what's going on at Cox? Seems to be uh, some disruption in the waters. Well, it's a good question. And I was noticing over the last several months that, you know, in these personnel move, in my personnel moves file, you know, all there's, it's growing with people who are leaving Cox. You know, Katie Reed, we saw go from Cox uh, as market manager in Jacksonville to, to Bonneville market manager in Denver. She left the company for another GM gig. Just last week, there was a, a sales guy out of Orlando, I think, that went off to work for Futuri. So, you know, I, I asked, a, you know, an ex-Cox buddy of mine, so what's going on? Why you know why no one leaves Cox? You know you know they were they were like the the Tesla of radio, the cool group, the cool the best group to work for the you know the Porsche of radio. I mean it you know and I and he said Keith, it's not the same. It's not the same. And, and why why did he say that? What did, what did he think well, the difference it, is? Ever, ever, well, ever since Apollo bought them, you know that that private equity group that that bought the television group first, and then they bought the radio group from the Cox family and Cox Enterprises. And ever since then, it's been, you know, that, that wonderful, it was, a, Cox has always been a high performance culture. I mean, they always really, really did well. And they invested in their people and they invested in their resources and, you know, and really performed well. What my friend is telling me is that, you know, he's getting the sense that while it's still a high performance culture, it's not a very high patience culture. It's a much, you know, it's much more lower patience. It's much more get the numbers drive the revenue, drive the people, and, you know, no, no patience. So it's not the longer view 
like the uh, the Cox family used to have on these properties. Both so what you're saying, yeah, you know, what you're saying is Cox has now joined Odyssey, Cumulus, and iHeart. You know, with high debt, high leverage, and in a position where they just simply are going to demand high performance, regardless of culture, regardless of any of the external environmental things that are going on. Yep. Not as much fun as it used to be, right? Not, yeah, not at all. And, and there's few places where you can go. Bonneville's one of them where, you know, they're going to take the longer view and, you know, uh, still high performance, but get you the tools, get you the resources, and still have some of that patience that it takes to, you know, turn things around or develop your people or get the culture right or whatever you need to do. You know, but yet, yeah, I think you hit it on the on the head when you're saying that now Cox is back in that private equity world, just like iHeart, just like Odyssey, just like Cumulus, where it's being run by the people that are investing in the company who have the debt, and they're feeling it. So I'm keeping my eye on it, Jackson, for future moves, and we'll report back to all of you about that. So it's a tough environment in the business anyway. And what's yeah. tougher is when you get a PE firm that comes in and thinks they can run it like a razor blade factory or a tire company. And you know, radio, you know, as yeah. well as I do, is is about the people and about the culture. And boy, if you don't have those things, it, it gets real hard. All right, let's uh, move on. We wanted to talk a little bit about Town Square Media. Apparently, Town Square Media, if you're a personality on Town Square Media, you are required to post four Social media postings a day, Facebook, Mm -hmm. Instagram, TikTok, yada, 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 on and on and on. I'm not sure if that's four times uh, on one one media or four times a day on all of the media, but it's four times a day and it remains a a lot of work. And so the question that we ask, that you ask, that I ask, and I think that a lot of our audience asks is, are we doing this just because everybody else does it? What's the value? Does it drive additional listeners? If we get a thousand likes, does it make any difference? You know, I was telling you, you know, we're selling a, a piece of property in Nonzilla. We have twelve or thirteen hundred views, right? Okay. No offers, but we get a lot of views. Well, that's so nice. Radio, that's nice. Yeah, it, it is. <laughs> Makes me feel nice and comfortable everywhere, but in my in my bank account. So then, that's the question. You know, I think sometimes the social media people say, "Well, look, we got twelve hundred likes. Look at all of this. This is just great." But how does it translate into revenue? How does it translate into additional audience that's measurable and then translates back to revenue? Because my question then becomes, "Well, why do it?" What's your thought? Well, if it, if it works so well, and every radio station is is just pumping you know bullshit content onto social media. Then every station would be growing in, re- in, re- in ratings, right? They'd be growing in ratings and revenue. We'd be through the roof based on everybody's social media, but no one pays attention to it. It's crazy. We we're now have groups that are that are positioning their personalities as influencers, and that you know radio is the ultimate uh, social media, and our personalities are not DJs or hosts; they're influencers because we've sold their soul to every advertiser who was willing to pay for a testimonial spot or a live read. Now we back that up with social and it drives everybody crazy. So we're so immersed in it that I don't think we've stopped and looked back and said, does this really help? The other problem is, is that you've got social media people on your payroll. You've got people that are in charge of digital and social, right? And their job is basically based on 
driving content into social media and then coming back and showing you the dashboard about how many views, how many likes, how many you know, impressions you made. And their life depends on that, that stupid little hamster wheel that is social media. So until we get those people some perspective in that what you're doing is complete and total bullshit, except for maybe one <laughs> or two things that you do a month, everything else is BS. So stop it. It's not important. And by the way, you know, you're you're 3 months away from from being let go because I'm not going to be able to afford you during the recession and I can I can have my kid do social media for us. It's not that big a deal. It doesn't work. But you have people that that's their job. So they're going to make it. They're going to justify it. They're going to do it and they're going to, you know, uh, hope that nobody pays attention to the fact that it doesn't work. So I talked to a friend of mine who is a social media consultant. She does a lot of work for radio and TV stations, and she has what they call the 411 rule, and that's four reposts a day, one post for educational quality, like or educational posting, like how to cook, how to, you know how to make pasta for dinner tonight, that kind of thing, and one is a sales-oriented content post every day. And, you know, we got into the discussion about it, and I just said, you know, okay, you repost content from other people. How does that in any way affect the value of your brand or the listenership or the revenue side? And, you know, obviously content's got to be tailored to the audience, so you can't just generically buy it. Well, you can buy it, I guess, off of services, and, but, you know, then, then it's really generic. Then it has nothing to do with your radio station, your audience, or your local market. So... And who gets credit for reposts? You know, if you get a repost, if you if your post is reposted or vice versa, nobody cares. Well, yeah, and, and I think and, that, and it's like, okay, look how many shares we got, Jackson. We got five thousand shares. We got one hundred and fifty thousand reposts or shares. Isn't that awesome? And I look back at our you know our last monthly in, in Nielsen, or I look at the television ratings and go, it didn't matter, didn't move the needle at all. You know, so so why are we doing this? You know, I'm we're still a two eight. You know, it didn't help. You know, we all have worked with with P1 audiences, you know, that those Ooh, are the people yeah. who will show up and do anything you ask. I mean, it doesn't matter. Those P1 audiences who are, I think most social media is targeted at, and they're not going anywhere. No. You know, it doesn't matter what you do. They're going to show up. They're going to be there. That's always the dilemma when you had a remote is the same 20 people showed up as showed up last week at a remote. and. <laughs> They don't do any business. It's your P1 core. So you're just, you know, you're kind of in an echo chamber is really what a, a lot of social media is. Now, there are going to be people who disagree with us, and I would encourage them to let us know because I'd love to hear different ways. There is one thing I think you can do with social media that's a benefit, and that's that you can sell it with a client and say, look, with this package, you got to charge for it. We also will uh, post a social media posting about your promotion, your sale, you know, that we're doing with you. So from that standpoint, it probably has some value. Don't count on it to be shared extensively and don't count on it to bring in great quantities of anything other than you can say, and we did social media in addition to the radio or the TV and then just make sure you charge. Yeah. Well, and and our friend Ed says that, you know, like when he's doing these events and he's got like an upscale car show he's doing in Las Vegas, he said that's the perfect uh, content for social because I've got a lot of great pictures, I've got some videos, I've got all this stuff I can share that all relates back to building excitement for attending this event to go see these cars in person, hear these cars in person, maybe sit in these cars in person. I get that. That makes sense. But 
frankly, you know, I don't, you know, I don't care about where the next remote is. I don't care what you know, just played. I don't care what, who's going to guest today on the show. If I'm, gonna, if I'm available to listen, I will. But, you know, oh, my God, whatever. So, you know, so much of it just is, is uh, make work for people who are the social media department and they're, and they're the hamsters on the wheel just driving out this content that everybody pretty much ignores in my mind. Well, we're going, to, we're going to continue to keep an eye on social media ideas because it's a point of real expense. And as you say, with the recession coming in and, and uh, the struggle to keep even revenue flat, much less gain it, it's got to be something that begins to make some sense. So we'll, we'll keep talking about it here on Media Insultant. Keith, thank you for your opinions. I never have to no, ask no, you. <laughs> and you're welcome. <laughs> well, so independent radio stations and uh, the new NAB head are in a bit of a confrontation. Mm-hmm. Yep, and what's it over, Keith? It's over geocasting, and that's something that we have talked about on Media Insultant numerous times, just to bring people up to speed real quickly. What it is is an FM booster station or a series of FM booster stations that broadcast exactly the same signal as the primary station, except in those areas you can separate it out and run content that's specific to that zip code, that neighborhood, that area, so that the local laundromat, the local uh, chamber of commerce can do something, you know, in that little community area, and the rest of the station coverage doesn't hear that message, doesn't hear that uh, mm-hmm. signal. So that's the basic idea behind it. And the idea is that, gee, if you can break out a market in all these geocasting things, you can target your media, you can get so much more revenue than you would get otherwise. And you and I have long said, really, <laughs> this doesn't make sense. But, and as a result, the NAB has come out and said all the radio groups are behind us in terms of going to the FCC, or excuse me, are opposed right. to it. They are opposed to this geocasting for all the reasons we've talked about: technical issues, sales people that are going to be diluting their effort, a reduction in rates, the technical cost. I mean, there's just all kinds of reasons why nobody really should, wants to do it, according to the NAB. But this group of independent operators, including our mm-hmm. friend Ron Stone, who runs Adams, has come along and said, no, no, we, uh, yeah. we want geocasting. Why do they think they want geocasting, Keith? What, what value is it that these independent operators think it's going right. to bring to them? Uh, a lot of value in geotargeting. And apparently, the, uh, the, it's the Carolyn cry for advertisers that I want to geo-target. I want to be able to geo-target. I don't want the whole market. I just need that little portion of your market that, that you know, or the market that I serve. So, you know, so if you're in Seattle, it'd be like, oh, I just want, I just want to reach my customers in Enumclaw. So, but your radio station reaches all of, all of the, you know, Pierce County and, and King County and even up north uh, to Snohomish County. That's, way, that's a, such a big waste so I'm just going to buy a little bit of cable, and I'm going to buy my community newspaper, and maybe a Tacoma radio station, and that is that's it. So what Ron's saying is that well, we can do that with our station too. You can get that little part of our content that we're going to geocast and run through the booster that we're going to have on top of an uh, Auburn Downs. We're going to put a little booster up there, and it's going to shoot out just to South King County. And, 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 and we'll give you a deal on that. So instead of charging you $200 a spot on warm, we'll charge you 15. It'll be great. Oh, great. So I can be one warm for 15 bucks? Yeah. Isn't that awesome? And then the sales rep goes back and go, let's see, 15 bucks, or I could have spent time selling $200 rates. I'm going to get 
wow, I'm hardly getting, I'm getting like a two dollar, I'm getting a dollar fifty commission. That doesn't make much sense. So the right. salespeople are going to go, right. what the, what, what, this is a complete waste of my time. And then, uh, and, and, but, but hey, we geo targeted and we got, you know, uh, the Ford dealer in Enumclaw on the air. Isn't that great? So it's this kind of like, what's the effort worth? What's the ROI of this? And by the way, for a lot of Ron members at IBA, and God love them, their markets are so small that they're already geo-targeted. I mean, how, how much do we want to break up a place like Las Cruces? How much do we want to geo-target, uh, you know, uh, Wenatchee? Uh, you know, uh, really? Uh, you know, we want to... I, we want to just be east of the river. We don't want to be rest of the. I, I don't get it, Jackson. Well, and it's uh, I'm I'm a little confused by it too. Uh, and and the real problem then that's why there's got to be some some unanimity on this. And that is simply that if some stations begin to do this, it's just going to mess up the whole band because it really is going to be a problem. People listen to the radio in cars. They don't listen at home. They're driving down the road, and they go from primary signal to the booster signal and then back out of the booster signal, and it changes every – they're in the middle yeah. of a spot or middle of a newscast and suddenly changes. So we don't – we really don't like to pick on new technologies. We like to support new technologies. <laughs> but, boy, this one this one is a is a solution that is a solution to nothing that we see as a, as a problem. If, if you really want to get behind a solution to something that makes sense, hybrid radio, the blending mm-hmm. of over-the-air with – Streaming, that is a solution that makes a lot of sense. Let's get behind that and get that in cars. That will work really well. So, all right, we've blasted those poor people at, at uh, geocasting. Boy, I got to hand it to them. They've put 10, 15 years into this thing and a lot of money, and they're still waiting for the FCC to approve it. And I, I think the FCC is just going to sit on it for a while. You know, the NAB comes in and says, this is what our membership feels. And then this independent group comes along and says, but we disagree. And the FCC is just going to go, look, it's not critical to anybody's survival. We'll probably just yeah, well, and, and, and I think for a while. They're not even up to full. Right. And I think they're not even yeah, up to right, full they're strength. A commissioner, anyway. But I think also, too, the, the race issue has also been brought up to the FCC and, and where where advertisers could possibly redline their geo-targeting to ignore heavily Hispanic or heavily African-American communities or parts of communities, and therefore that community would be underserved. And that's already been brought up. And so with that there, too, they're going, oh, boy, yeah, you know, let's not touch this for a while. So, you know, I think yeah. maybe you're right there. Yeah. All right, well, we're going to keep an eye on that, too. And uh, that's it, Keith. We've run out of time for another episode of Media Insulted. But Friday, we're back. <laughs> Friday, we're going to have some fun. We're going we're gonna to come back, and we're going to kind of geek out on 70s radio. We're going to look at a very successful radio news operation from the 70s at a radio station called CKLW, the Big 8 out of Detroit. And we think it'll make you smile, and we're going to talk about whether or not that kind of a news approach would work today. <laughs> Keith Media Insultant, as you know, both of us get together on Tuesday and Friday. We drop these shows on all the podcasting platforms, videos are on the Media Insultant Showcase at Vimeo. And we just uh, really enjoy anybody's input. We'd love to hear from you, Jackson, at intownmedia.com. And we will look forward to seeing you next Friday with a really interesting program. So, Keith, until then, hasta lumbago and take care. In the words of Boris Johnson, hasta la vista, baby. And by the way, still asking, where's Wheeler? So, please, our audience, help us find where Wheeler Morris is. (laughs) 